Hello fellow sports photographers. My name is Dean Mokteropoulos, or All Sports Snapper, and I'm a sports photographer working full-time for Getty Images. Welcome to the Photography Philosophy Podcast, where I have open discussions with the world's best sports photographers, and you'll get an insight behind the long lenses from the men and women who film your back pages, websites, and magazines with amazing sports photos. You know the drill by now. If you have any questions or comments, get in contact with me via Twitter at AllSportsNapper or my website, AllSportsNapper.com. In this lucky 13th episode, I speak to Dutch speed skating specialist Francois Varenga. I hope I got the pronunciation right, Francois. An experienced sports photographer who now travels the world following the fastest athletes on the planet in the long track format. Even though he classifies himself as the only speed skating specialist on the tour, you'll hear throughout this interview that his skills are not just with the long lens. We speak about shooting film on Fuji cameras, the race to the bottom for photographers' prices, the international fan base of speed skating, creating video content with 360 views, virtual reality gets its first mention in the podcast, and as you will hear with his career experience, we take a slight deviation and talk about the future of image-making industry as a whole. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Photography Philosophy Podcast. I have a uh, another sports photographer, special guest with me today. So uh, let's start with uh, your name, sir, and uh, where you're from. My name is uh, Francois, Francois Wieringa. I'm from the Netherlands. And uh, what part of the Netherlands are you from? Um, part of uh, the north, the northern part, from the uh, nice province of Drenthe and the city of Hogeveen. Okay, your uh, pronunciation is something that I don't think I'll ever get right. But um, so yeah, and I know you, friends. Well, I'll just tell our listeners that I know you because I work at speed skating here in the U- in uh, in the Netherlands on a fairly regular basis when it happens um, with the ISU, the um, sh- uh, long track speed skating in Herenveen, which um, again, my pronunciation is probably not correct, but, um, and you are the um, speed skating Netherlands photographer, is that correct? Uh, yeah, well, I guess you could call me the world's only long track speed skating photographer who works basically at this year round. So you follow the, so you, and what, and what uh, what does that entail? What, what what do you what do you do then for 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 that? Well, what I do for that is I go to uh, all the national and international races. So that's uh, like the entire winter, and in the summer I uh, go to a lot of training camps and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And the when you say world, I mean you're you're in South Korea, you're in um, in Canada, you're in obviously all over Europe. Uh, I mean it's it's pretty much a nonstop. Uh, non-stop event isn't it uh yeah last couple months was uh, i think uh it went a little bit like this uh here in the vein uh, calgary salt lake city insel in southern germany back to here in the vein then to uh, belarus minsk um on to um stavanger norway then i went to russia kolomna um off to south korea seoul back to germany berlin and finally i I was home in here in Vin. So uh, a pretty long winter. Wow. Okay. Very cool. And um, before we go any more, dig into a little bit more of that, um, can you 
tell me about your um, first photography memory and when when did it all start what do you remember being your first uh, first thing with a camera um well i guess i started pretty young at about 21 um i wasn't much into photography but my father had a photography store and he did some portraits and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so he asked me um, when I stopped with uh, with university for a little bit. He said, "Like, okay, come and uh, uh, come and try it with me." Uh, so I did, um, and I remember going to a football match uh, from FC Groningen against, I think it was Roda JC from the south of Holland. Um, and I was sitting there on the pitch and all these people on the stand screaming and I had a good picture, which was in the Telegraph the next day. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that sold me. Okay. And, um, and how did it, how did it move from, I mean, you started obviously doing football then. Was that, was that, was that your, uh, first way, your first, uh, way in? Yeah. <clears throat> football was basically back then when we had a lot of newspapers, um, that was what you did. I, I think I did about 120 games a year. Okay, wow. Yeah, wow. It's a lot of football. It's a lot of football. And, uh, well, oh, probably from all those games, like if you had six or seven really good games a year, that was good. Yeah. And the rest was just low lighting, um, amateur, first division stuff. Uh, and it's basically it was terrible, but, you know, it's from a technical point of view, from a quality point of view, but it was fun and I learned a lot, so that's good. And uh, did you, was that, this is all on film then, obviously, yeah. back then? Yeah, it's all yeah. on film. And what were you shooting on back then, just out of curiosity? Uh, the Fuji 800s um, and, bef and on black and white, it was uh, the T-Max 3200. Okay, and uh, what uh, what year is this then? What what, what uh, when you started? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think it was ninety four, ninety five, okay. somewhere around that. Okay, so a few years before the digital started to uh, take hold. Yeah, I started uh, using digital um, on a daily basis in nineteen ninety nine. So I did five years of darkroom stuff and. Uh, uh, it was a good time on the one hand. On the other hand, it took uh, a lot more time. And, uh, you know, uh, when you got back from a uh, from a match and it was like minus four, minus five, sometimes really, really cold or rainy and you came back with like six or seven films and you had to develop them and that was terrible. <laughs> Especially after yeah, freezing freezing your butt off in the in the snow in the in the Netherlands is not exactly a, a good way to spend a, an evening, is it? Absolutely. And then you come back and you and you you know you, you get everything ready in the dark room, and then you switch off the lights, and you have your first films out, and you're trying to spool them, and then right at that moment you're thinking like, oh, I'm so cold, now I gotta go to the bathroom and all that stuff, and like, oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, how did you get, what was the first sort of, how did it go from sort of just taking pictures to actually getting paid for uh, taking photos? How did that uh, How did that develop? Well, because of my father, I, I obviously had an easy way in um, because he already uh, uh, did some stuff for newspapers. Uh, okay. um, so, for, so for me, that was easy. But, you know, uh, keeping it that way is is much harder, you know. Just selling your first one or two or three pictures to a paper it's no problem, but selling them every day, 
that's where where you need the real skills also not just in photography but also in selling in in keeping up um acquaintances and all that sort of stuff i've i've noticed that as well i think there's um you see there's a lot of great photographers and i'm talking about like exceptional photographers who are not very good at marketing people and then you've got the great marketers who i think are maybe not as good photographers but they seem to be more successful so you do need a, a bit of a mix of both of uh self-marketing as well as uh, talent, don't you? Yeah. Well, I read somewhere, I think yesterday, that um, 80% of all the um, self-employed people, so also photographers, um, are very bad at marketing themselves. I think that's 100% uh, true. And there's there's professional people uh, who, who can do that for you. Um, and that might, for a lot of photographers, that might be a good thing to try it that way. But, you know, in photography, we have agencies and with all these agencies, we right now we're locked into a race to the bottom, price-wise. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's the good the good way to go. Okay. And um, all right. So now you you've been taking football. You've been working at football for how many years? Were you doing football on a regular basis? Oh, I guess I did it to about eight years ago. Okay. I did football and every weekend. And okay. every Wednesday, and then some amateur stuff. Um, and after that, I kind of just quit because, uh, well, the race to the bottom started in football. Um, and, you know, it's just not worth it sitting there getting wet and uh, maybe not even selling one picture. Mm. I do. I, I, mean, I mean, this is a little, I mean, it's not really off topic, but it's. Um... I find it always amazing, like when I do, like I've been working a lot in Germany lately at the Bundesliga, and um, the amount of photographers on pitch side is ama- is phenomenal. Like it's it's packed, you know, all the sides are full, and and I always wonder how everyone, how many people use, how many pictures get used by customers, paying customers. It's always a, like you said, like a, you are. We seem to be scrapping around for uh, with not. Not much meat left on the bone for everybody. I don't know. It does. It does feel a bit uh, too competitive. And then, how did you move from the football then to what you do now with the speed skating? Well, um, there's a uh, there was a big uh, company in 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 my town. Well, it's still it's still there. TVM, and they had a speed skating uh, team. And I started working for them uh, first, uh, doing normal stuff, corporate stuff. And then they asked me, like, okay, do you do sports? And I said, yes, hell, I do. And they asked me, like, could you do, like, some skating for us? So that was the first time I went to uh, speed skating, long track. I already did some marathons for for papers and stuff like that. But then I did the long track. Um, and that was just before uh, skaters like Sven Kramer and Irene Wust uh, joined the team. For our listeners, those uh, Kramer and Wust are the uh, – Kramer's the – World champion and uh, long distance, a uh, bit of an unbeatable uh, character in, in speed skating. And Wust is the uh, Dutch, uh, you know, the golden girl, I guess, of uh, Dutch uh, skating, long track skating for the last six or seven years, I'd say, a bit longer maybe. Yeah, well, um, they're there for they, – they joined the team at 18 because okay. back then they had uh, like um, a deal with KNSB, that's the, that's the National Skating Union – that yeah. uh, if they were under 18, they couldn't be signed to a professional team. So they both joined at 18. Uh, uh, Kramer 
is basically the best skater, male skater ever. Ever. Uh, ever. And uh, Wust uh, was the queen of Sochi with, uh, I think, uh, two or three gold and two silver. So maybe 10 years then of domination of, uh, of speed skating. Yeah, 10 years of domination. Pretty much the time that you've been there as well. Yeah, I'm, I've started doing the first speed skating stuff in 2002. Yeah. So that's 14 years ago. Um, and I started basically doing every race in just after Torino in 2006. And um, so, what what does a what does a workflow then? Um, you um, you know, you take your pictures. You and who do you who do you send your your images to? Who gets all your photos? Well, I got one uh, uh, main um, client uh, uh, as a paper, which is the Telegraph. So I send them pictures. Uh, there's a couple of clients I send my pictures to also, and the rest goes into my photo database, my my website, and my clients can download it from there. Then who's your official? Like, how do you, who funds or you know who? What team are you with when you travel around and do all these speed skating? Then I do a couple of different teams. So uh, basically, I just uh, fund and 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 uh, arrange everything myself. Because because I have multiple uh, clients, so uh, let's just say they all pay a little piece of the pie. That's that's my cost. And are you the only one that does this though? Are there other are there other photographers you see at every race, or you are the only one that sort of seems to cover every single race? Um, yeah, basically I'm the only one. There are some some years there's there's people uh, sometimes a couple of Japanese colleagues who are uh, at a lot of races but not all of them like obviously they don't go to the europeans um but yeah i'm I'm basically the only one crazy crazy enough so do you have a favorite a favorite country do you have a favorite country that um that stands out as a place every time you go back they're thinking oh good you know this is going to be great photos and it's a great place yeah of course um you know first of all uh, speed skating venues you know the rinks they're all basically some sort of the same um so uh is there from that point of view is there a favorite place yet yeah, the ones with good lighting uh most of them have good lighting um but outside of the rink you know um i spend like say eight eight hours a day in the rink so i also spend about 16 hours a day outside of the rink so in that case i like to go to uh japan or canada or the united states um especially compared to countries like Russia or China. Okay. And um, the lighting you were saying, I mean, how does Heronveen compare with light and that compared to other stadiums, other venues? Um, average. There's, there's, there's worse tracks like in Erfurt in Germany and the one we were in Korea in Seoul uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but there is also far better um, uh, venues, especially the ones where they had like um, uh, a recent Olympics. Um, they have huge and great lighting on average. Okay, and what about the fans? Because uh, you know, I'm I'm always impressed by the amount of uh, diehard Dutch fans showing up in orange costumes and people with uh, pieces of cheese on their head and, you know, the lions and all that kind of thing. And obviously there's the band there that sings and it's quite a, it's, it's a great atmosphere there. I mean, it's not a, a massive venue, but um, there's, how does that compare to the rest of, uh, the, rest of the world? Um, in, in, in the case of fans, there is no rest of the world. Okay. 
Eris, um, when, for instance, when I go to Astana um, in Kazakhstan, um, I, I might find myself the only person there sometimes. <laughs> There's a couple oh other skaters and there's some coaches and physiotherapists and, and you know, there's, there might be two uh, or three Dutch people from, uh, from an embassy or from, uh, from a KLM flight, um, but that's it. But there's no, there's no like fans as in spectators, they're really sort of uh, cheering, the t cheering the guys on, no, guys no, and girls. No, 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 no. Uh, speed skating is, is, well, especially the last like 10 years, it's typically Dutch. And um, there's some people in Norway and some spectators in Germany, but, but that's about it. What about Japan? I, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I cover a lot of Japanese um, athletes in Europe, you know, whether it be the football or athletics or whatever. You know, we always seem to have to cover a little bit extra of the Japanese. And they always seem to, be, they always seem to have a, a small but diehard support base i mean do, when you go over there do they do they fill um, any stadiums or are they there um because they're quite good as well aren't they they've got a, quite a few good skaters as well the japanese yeah they have some good skaters and they have a skating culture i think they have like sort of uh, teams university teams okay. and they have these these really colorful suits and with flames on it and all that sort of stuff so it looks really cool um and they basically have two uh, two indoor rinks. Uh, one is uh, uh, Nagano, uh, which held the the games in, well, what was it, ninety eight, I think. Um, Nagano uh, basically has no spectators, just a couple. Okay. There's this this really nice guy that every time I see him, I think he's a volunteer there. He comes uh, to me with a piece of paper and he makes like a beautiful uh, swan or whatever, which even flies and all that stuff. Um, so I call him Mr. Origami. Um, okay. <laughs> and then there's the other rink. It's in the north. It's on the island of Hokkaido uh, in the town of Obihiro. And uh, they, they, in Japan, they say it's sort of the birthplace of skating, which is possible because it's, it's really cold. Um, and, well, there you have a couple thousand spectators. But that, that's basically just it. Okay. All oh, right, which is quite surprising, actually. I thought there'd be more uh, international interest because it does, you know, the Americans and the Canadians are all, they're all heavily involved, aren't they? And they're all quite well. They're all good, aren't they? As well, it's not just the Dutch. Uh, well, even though the last winters the Dutch did dominate the uh, the the ice rink. Yeah, that was that was really um, quite something, you know. We we won't see that again, probably. But um, you know, the sport looks big, is big, because. Um, it's Olympic, and there is um, it's it's the Olympic sport where you can get, I think, the most medals, because they have like with the women and the men they have six distances where you can get a gold medal. So it's for a country, it's uh, it's very um, interesting to to invest in it. Okay, and the Dutch seem to do that on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, but that's also because we don't have any mountains. So it's uh, it's it's very hard to do some downhill skiing here. <laughs> the flattest country in the world, <laughs> does they don't produce a good a lot of um, uh, bobsleigh uh, teams and stuff like that. The, the Dutch do they? <laughs> um, no, no, no. We have a we had a bobsleigh team. I think they quit. Um, I I did some bobsledding and uh, but no, no. Most of the, sometimes it's uh, the, the uh, it's it's bad. It's really bad. 
Okay. And what about um, now? You've you know we've talked about stills and stuff, and I obviously I know I see you work, and you're always running off with a microphone and stuff. You do a lot of um, video content as well now. That's something that's grown over the last few years. Um, yeah, I guess I well I started doing video in 2004, but just pure video. But the last couple of years, like uh, a paper like the Datagraph, they want next to photos. They also want some video. Uh, yeah. As long as they pay me for it, I can I can get them some video. And you do all the um, editing and uh, everything yourself, or are you are you handing that off to somebody, or how how does that work? Um, in this case, I send everything like uh, the interview because we can't do much rights wise because the rights, of course, are with the national broadcaster um, and the host broadcaster. Um, so we can only do a small interview and uh, a, a couple extra shots so i'll just send them to the paper and they edit it there because it either uh goes as a standalone small video or it goes into um it was actually it was marina witte who you know from nsp nsp is like the um the sports uh, photography association in the netherlands and marina runs uh, runs that for us here yeah so, yeah. yeah but yeah. but going back to um to uh the editing um sometimes they put it into uh like like a journal and with other sports, so uh, then they can do it themselves. So, uh, so yeah, it's pretty much you're just doing a, a, a live, a, well, a live, a raw, a raw interview, and then you're just sending it off, and they're doing all they're doing all the post post uh, production on on that kind of stuff after. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes it easy for you, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, well, there's there's a lot to do um, and not too much time. That's usually the way it works. Do you ever do the short track as well, or is it only long track? Uh, I try to do some sort of short track, but you know, uh, uh, normally I'm at the long track, so uh, there's not much uh, much spare weekends in the winter. Um, I did one this year in Dresden, um, so yeah, I try to do a couple per season. Your phone's going crazy. Yeah, um, I know. Just to, all right. Now, this is the question I have for all. All the guys, like, you know, I have, we've had golf um, photographers on and, you know, I know a lot of the, you know, the Formula One photographers who I'm hopefully going to get on in the next few weeks and that kind of thing. And I'm always curious about the, um, your, what motivates you. Like, you have to obviously love the sport, but, you know, like I'm sort of a bit, you know, I do a bit of this and that, you know, I'm sort of a mix, but there's guys, the guys guys and girls that focus all their attention on one sport, how do you stay motivated? How... Obviously, you love speed skating, but how does that? How does that? Um, how are you inspired every time, especially if you go to the same venues over and over again? That's a good question, actually. Um, I think speed skating is um, it looks the same a lot. So th- that's the first thing that makes it hard to to um, do it an entire season. Um, but you will you want to try to make a good picture every time again. So uh, that's 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 my first motivation, um, and you know. But on the other hand, I'm happy when the season's over and I can do a, a, a little bit of other stuff also. Um, so that's good. But on the other hand, when when it's October, just before the season starts, you know, I'm really um, I'm really excited to start again. So it's still good. But when that um, when that excitement is gone. Uh, it's probably over for me. Do you get to to do portraits and stuff as well with the with the athletes, or is it is it mainly just um, uh, action 
action shots on on the ice. I do a couple teams where I do all the portraits and all the all the other things, group pictures, uh, training stuff. Uh, so uh, yeah, I do that stuff too. Okay, all right. And um, when you said when the season does finish, how does uh, what what's what's the other the other stuff? Is it sports stuff? Is it um is it other other um or is it not sport? What do you, uh, what's your? It's uh, yeah, well, um, they've now finished. Around the first of May, they start their training again. The the, the teams, so uh, that's when for me, uh, uh, speed skating starts again. I know for you, it's uh, somewhere in November or in December, but for yeah. me, it's in May. Um, and you know, next to that, I do some stuff here locally. I do some stuff for the Telegraph, uh, some some different assignments. So uh, yeah, I'll be I'll still be busy, but a little bit less a little bit less travel than in the winter. So the athletes have six weeks, is it? Like, so what we finished now, it's um, it's the middle of March. We did we we worked at an event a couple of days ago, um, and then they'll finish, uh, and then pretty much so six weeks, and then they'll start their training again. Yeah, that- anywhere between four and six weeks. I think speed skating, uh, long track speed skating, is is the only sport where the the training season is longer than the actual racing season. Okay. Because training is, they have like a month off, then they train for six months, and then they have a, a five month season. Oh, geez. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And the training is in the Netherlands, or is it, is it in other countries around the world as well? Um, well, they do some altitude training, so that's most of the times in the Alps, um, or on the the the, the uh, on Tenerife or anything. Um, and next to that, you know, um, I don't think of. Sp- and when I think of speed skating, Tenerife doesn't sort of pop into my head as a place that's. Uh, so you mean just like cycling and the and yeah. the fitness side of it? Uh, it's mostly cycling, you know, because uh, there are just a couple tracks that are open uh, during the summer. I think it's uh, the one in uh, Salt Lake is open uh, a lot, or or even year round. I'm not sure, um, but in Europe, it's uh, like um, uh, Insel in southern Germany opens. Uh, in like in June, and then in July it's uh, maybe the one in Herenveen, and then in August it's the one in Norway. Uh, but that's the only thing. So they all come together there. So that's that's good for me. That's easy. But uh, there's not much uh, ice training in the summer. It's, it's mostly cycling. It's uh, it's uh, power. It's stability training. All that sort of stuff. All right. Um, and uh, we, I always ask our the guests favorite photo so um could you have a favorite photo that you've taken over your career i mean how many years now so you've been in the business for uh 20 over how many years now is it since 94 you said is that right uh yeah since 94 so that's uh i reckon about 22 years okay oh, i'm getting you have old. a favorite picture over well <laughs> we no, <all> are. <laughs> a favorite picture doesn't really come to mind right now um but i do have um there's one that stands out you know from um a weird situation point of view I was doing a picture um, for a local newspaper a regional newspaper of two guys that were going to fly in a Cessna um, to spot on a warm day to spot around if there were any forest fires so that's in a small and a light light aircraft. Yeah, a light plane. aircraft, just a two seater uh, prop plane. Uh, so I was going there, and uh, I was taking a picture of these guys, you know, in front of their plane. Um, uh, it was all good. I had a nice chat with them. Um, I turned around. Um, 
their plane took off and it crashed right uh, into a building next to the airport. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I think the um, the pilot died that day, and the other one was uh, heavily injured. Um, and that was like one of the weirdest situations I ever got myself into. So you've taken a photo, and literally minutes later, this guy is dead, and the other guy is injured, and the the planes crash into a building. Yeah, first I was the last guy they 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 spoke to oh, wow. um, before they crashed, and. Um, and and then it just you know it went from there it went from uh, a, a nice warm day to uh something awful oh my god that's a that's a bit dramatic for a sports photography show i must admit <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i know well, if, that, if that's what it was and and, and how, when when was this was this before the um the speed skating uh, thing came in or is yeah. this uh yeah okay this was before the speed skating thing came in and it was before um the digital era era so that picture's on a slide or a, a negative somewhere tucked away in a in a folder at the back of some cupboard i'm sure they're in the room next to me where i'm sitting right now in the like uh, somewhere between uh, uh cupboards full of negatives Okay, but there's no there's no digital there's no online digital file of that anyway. No. All right. If you ever get it on though, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd like to see that last picture. You know, it just as a as a memento for those people that obviously that uh, that awful accident happened. If, it might be a nice picture to get though, just the you know the last minute before these people left us, unfortunately, or this guy anyway. Yeah. Well, first I'll try to uh, find my uh, scanner. Oh, jeez. I'm not uh, sure I, where that one is. Should, <laughs> should be around here somewhere, and uh, <laughs> and then I'll try to uh, because uh, the entire database is I made it in an Excel file and it's on a disk. Oh, so I need someone who is able to uh, to uh, you know. It's even hard to find a computer with a disk uh, with a with a DVD or CD player these days, let alone um, yeah those old. I actually saw some a, a, a bit off topic, but I drove past. It was rubbish day the other day, and I saw a bag, and it had it was a clear plastic bag, and it had it was full of um. Do you remember the old three and a half yep. inch floppy disks? Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I forgot that those even existed. I mean, we don't, you know, and the amount of information you could actually store on them was absolutely nothing no. compared to what you get these days. Um. All right, now equipment. Can you give me a what what do you use? Why do you use it? What what cameras are you shooting on at the moment? Um, until 2007, I used Nikon, um, but I had a camera that was, uh, ah, I had a lot of problems with it. If I took three pictures, except the same pictures, one would be sharp. The other one would be sharp on the right side and the third one would be sharp on the left side. So in the end, I just got, uh, so frustrated with it that I decided to, uh, to check out Canon and, uh, well, I really like Canon. Uh, what do you what uh, and what bodies are you using at the moment? Uh, at the moment, more specific. I'm using a one DX and a five D Mark III uh, with a four hundred millimeter lens and a seventy two hundred. Well, th- those are my main lenses, and then then of course you'd use a wide angle lens or sometimes a fisheye or you know just uh, what comes in uh, handy. And the one DX, um, uh, I, I'm. I don't have any association with Canon, but are you? Uh, will you be upgrading to the new Mark II that comes out, or is that uh, not not necessary for what you're doing? Well, uh, that's that's a hard question. Um, Pixel wise, the camera is not you know uh, 
going to be better. Um, they have the 5D Mark III S, I think, which has 50 million pixels. Oh, geez, okay. So um, I think that might be more interesting, but you also you also need some some sharp pictures when it's going fast in low light uh, 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 surroundings. So I, I would have loved to see uh, a new camera, a flagship camera, with 40 million pixels instead of uh, around 20 or 22. Yeah, they seem to have, um, I think from, from what my colleagues have told me that have been trialing a few of these, uh, these new cameras out, the, um, the high ISO though is phenomenal on this new camera the, um, and the tracking is better and, yeah. and I think it does 4K, I think it does 4K video as well, which obviously might be a bit more interesting for you as well. I don't know what the um, Mark uh, III, um, the 5D Mark, the 5D that you're using. That's, a, that full? that's full HD. Full HD, yeah. yeah. So I think the new, I think the new Canon. I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it does a, a 4K video. So I don't know what your what um, your clients need in terms of video quality, but um, is that something of interest to you, or that what you what you're doing is enough at the moment? Um, it is of interest to me, but um, there's also a 360 video. Um, there's a lot of new um, techniques that are coming in the coming years. And, you know, so, so you, you cannot invest in all of them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a decision. Uh, it, it's in the back of my mind and I'm working on it, but uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, which one it's going to be. I think uh, that's the thing, isn't it? There's so much stuff coming out, you know, like you said, 360s and drones and all this kind of stuff. It's just that you can't, it's impossible to to do everything well. You have to just pick a few and then focus on them, and then hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you see it then? How do you see the industry moving then? Because obviously, you, you you've got a you're, you know you're you're doing your video, you're doing your stills. I mean, are you seeing more interest in the video content, or is the still still as interesting as it was you know five years ago? Say, well, I think virtual reality will be uh, will be the next big thing. Um, mm -hmm. I read somewhere that it, in Holland. This year, in 2016, there will be 2.6 million um, uh, goggles, you know, uh, glasses. Virtual reality, yeah. VR glasses being sold or being given away. That's a big percentage considering that there's about 17 million people in the whole of the Netherlands. That's a, that's a decent portion of the population who's going to be using virtual reality. Yeah, absolutely. So people adapt to uh, this, this new way of, of viewing very fast. Um, and we need to, to we need to produce content for it, you know. And I think that's where the next big opportunity is. It's it's, now, it's not with newspapers because they're just going. Um, um, magazines, everything printed, will be phased out in time. It'll just be all online, digital, and uh, killing trees for paper and or recycling papers. Not uh, not. Um sustainable no you know. well i reckon papers will stay around for 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 quite some time but it will become sort of a niche market mm -hmm. like it's all right it's nice to have a, a paper on a coffee table of a restaurant or a, or a you know but uh, back at home people will will read it uh, even the elderly will read it on their iphones or their tablets or whatever and how do, what the virtual reality of the content? I mean, uh, this is the this is the other question that we ha that you know that comes up in my head when I hear this kind of thing is, you know, how 
how does that work for image rights? Obviously, you know, you talked about the um, host broadcasting, um, you know, the people that pay, you know, large, very large sums of money to um, to to televise these, um, you know, whatever event it is. And then, you know, we can't, we're obviously not allowed to use video because of the rights issues and that kind of thing. How does that work with, you know, how's that going to work with virtual reality? Um, I don't you know. know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's like right now, all the big television companies, what happens with them? Will their faith be the same as a newspaper? You know, because people don't watch much more TV. I have two kids of 12 and 9. They never watch TV. They watch YouTube and other stuff, but no TV. So um, they're not going to pay for, for, for rights, for, for broadcasting rights uh, in a couple of years because they don't have any viewers. And it's, it's, it's for a sport, it's, it's not interesting. So they have to find new ways of distributing um, all these things like video, like, like virtual reality stuff, like 360. Um, so where that's going, I'm not sure, but uh, there will be lots of big changes in the coming years. As still photographers, I guess we have to try and stay ahead of the game, but it's pretty hard to sort of, uh, we're not mind readers by any stretch, are we? <laughs> I think still photographers are important um, because you're able to focus on, let's say, let's say when you're in a football match, you're, you're able to focus on one single player or on one single action. Um, but when the TV quality will go up, and their shutter speed will go, uh, will be faster. Um, you know, you you can do a lot with frame grabs. Um, so that's going to be um, um, that's going to be a problem for us still photographers. I haven't been in the business anywhere near as long as you, and I mean, I've been at Getty for uh, whatever thirteen years or something. And I, I I've heard that pretty much since the first day I signed up at Getty. My, um, you know, this, uh, you know, video is coming, and you know, you know, five years from now, there'll be no, you know. But then companies like Canon and Nikon or, um, have released, you know, brand new stills cameras that are, you know, amazing. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, if a company like Canon is still investing that kind of money in in stills cameras, then is are they? Are they do they know something that we don't, or they think that you know the industry is going to be around for uh, you know years and years to come? I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of you know, like most things in life, there's more questions than answers with these kind of things. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Well, uh, well, I do think that like a brand new idea uh, is not going to come from a large company like Canon or Nikon. Um, that's going to be a startup somewhere who has like. Uh, in, who has the golden idea? Um, but uh, yeah, I think still photography will be around for a long time. But I do think the way that the the the, the technical capabilities of video right now, um, it will become um, uh, competitive to us. It's going to cut into the still photography market a bit over over the coming years. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand. You know, if we keep going down with the race to the bottom price-wise, well, they won't get into our, uh, our our neck of the woods because there's no money to make. So uh, like like a, a big football player, Johan Cruyff, once said, every uh, uh, disadvantage, uh, disadvantage has its advantage. Well, this is one of them. Well, I mean, the video, I mean, you talk about the TV deals now that, you know, the, the, the 
astronomical prices. You know, you talk about the Premier League and, you know, even, you know, with these, uh, you know, whatever it be, UFC fights or whatever it is, you know, the the kind of money that um, that uh, these um, broadcasters are paying off, especially for one-off, um, you know, events. I mean, remember the boxing in uh, Las Vegas uh, yep. with Mayweather and Pacquiao. I mean, the kind of figures they were talking about for a, for literally, you know, less than an hour show was absolutely insane. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's probably a little bit different, but you know, to say it's just, it seems like there's a lot more one-off sort of things, you know. And and the YouTube thing, my kids are the same. You know, they'd they'd rather watch YouTube where they can pick something and then see some guy make up a a Toy Story or something like that. You know, a little his own little make-believe show on YouTube than watch uh you know and go into TV and watch something that's been told what they have to watch. Yep. Um, there's a YouTube guy in in Holland who who just does everyday daily life. He films himself, and he has five hundred thousand kids watching it. There is there is not a lot of TV shows on national TV or on one of the big networks that have half a million viewers. You know, so it's changing from that point of view. And on the other hand, I what I think will happen is that we'll get um, like apps on your phone that will enable you to or on your TV doesn't matter that much but it will enable you to um um let's say you like politics and you like football but you also like uh, a speed skater sven kramer so you're looking at at a politics uh, show or network or whatever and then you have like a little bit of football and then when sven kramer starts his race you'll just see that part and then it goes back to uh political or economic stuff or whatever so i think that's that's going to be a new way of viewing like you said, you know, it's uh, it's our job, I guess, over the coming years to provide the content, um, to provide content that will be interesting for for, for viewers, I guess. Yeah, that's absolutely, and that will be more, um, you know, it will be geared more towards video than towards still photography. That's what I think. Um, is there any is there equipment that you wish you had then? I guess you know, like you know, with you know, we talked about three sixty. Are you doing much three sixty stuff at the moment? Yeah, I do some three sixty stuff for uh, virtual tours in 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 shops for like, like street view kind of stuff. Okay, so that is photography. Um, but I would like to have a couple of good um, video sets. And right now there is, if you want to go professional, I reckon you have to go with like a couple GoPros. Like at least six to have a good uh, three sixty image. Yeah, like a high quality um, yeah. image. Yeah, but the, the stitching is 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 hard. You know, uh, it's 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 all just there. It just started. So. Um, okay, so so tell me about that then. You you've obviously, like you said, you've talked about the sports photography side of it, and you know your your preset, your um, off season, you know the training mm-hmm. and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then and now you've mentioned you know what's this this google street view 360 i mean this is another another business that you have or you know part of the same business uh it's a different business i have i do this with uh with a colleague um who's also from the north of uh, of uh, holland um it's what i do off season mostly and that's providing content um street view uh, like you said 360s and uh, and virtual uh virtual tours so you know, I, I mean, I've seen them before in like um, real estate and in businesses. They, yeah, you get somebody, they'll come in, they take all these pictures of your house, and then you can pretty much, you know, walk through the door or walk through all yeah. the different things without actually, you know, 
you're still staring at your screen, but you've had a full tour of the property or, or, or the business or whatever it is. So you're providing content for that as well? Yeah, I provide the content and I, uh, th- that's what I do. And I, and I build them. Uh, I put them on Google. Uh, but, you know, uh, but that's expanding. All the stuff you can do with it is expanding. There's uh, layers you can put on them where you can put some extra content on it, uh, like videos or pictures or, or, or text or a combination. So um, it's, it's also a platform where you can provide extra content. Okay. Now, uh, this is a very interesting um, topic because, well, firstly, I don't know much about it, but it's, it's more... Um, I mean, I th- when I think of this, when you mention these kind of things, I think of something that didn't really work out well at the moment. You know, again, you know, this is as of uh, March 2016, the, the Google Glass, the little glasses that they had that had these little cameras and uh, pop-up displays inside the glasses that you could look at. That, that's what I think of when I think of these things. You know, oh, I want to go to this shop. How do I get there? And then it'll give you like a virtual you know, a virtual guide how to get there or, you know, what's in this shop and you can have a look at the, you know, while you're standing at the bus stop or whatever that you can, or your, your hoverboard or whatever it is in the future. And I, you just look through your Google Glass and you can see, you know, what this, this store has um, in, you know, as stock or whatever like that. Is that, is that where it's sort of heading? Is that where you, is, it, is, that, is that the kind of, or am I just sort of watch too many sci-fi films and that, to think that kind of thing's going to work? Well, a lot of things in sci-fi films have become reality, first of all. Um, yeah, I think it, that's where it goes. I think you can, you can, in like maybe five or ten years, you can have a complete virtual um, shopping experience. Um, maybe somewhere in a room in your house, which has uh, a special paint on the walls, with, which makes it like, like the Star Trek holodeck. Uh, where you can we're talking. where you can just Holodeck. point on 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 items that will be delivered to to your house a couple hours later. Uh, I think it will go that way. And let's now let's bring that back to sport. Do you think you'll be able to watch sports like that as well? A virtual reality sport. So you're actually, you know, maybe he'll have some some small 360 cameras. Uh, you know, an athlete will have it on their on their. On their hel- on a helmet or something like that, and then you can actually, while they're competing, you can look around and see what's actually their viewpoint. Um, is that is, am I <laughs> am I just uh, thinking too much about this? Um, yeah, that's the way that's the way it's going, I guess. Uh, that um, and like in football, you will have uh, a ball with cameras in it. You will have drones flying around, mini drones that that are flying with. With the athletes, um, you can basically have um, an experience being messy, being Sven Kramer, um, without leaving your couch. I think that's that's going to be the next thing in sports. I see a lot of positives on that, but I see a lot of negatives too. Can you imagine how lazy people will get if they think, oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm virtual reality doing exercise, but in reality, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> ah, maybe they just get inspired to to go out and 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 exercise themselves. Uh, very true. I mean, there's like like the internet. The internet brings a lot of great information to a lot of people. It also brings a lot of crap to a lot of people. So <laughs> there's always a positive and negative. It depends what you want to take out of it, I guess. It's, uh, it's it's just like real life, Dean. Exactly. It's just like virtual reality is real life. <laughs> exactly. 
like how we're talking a bit more, it's a bit a bit more philosophy, and uh, we sort of moved away a little, a little bit away from the sport. But um, yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, the three sixty stuff. We um, we uh, there's a few photographers at Getty have been given these three sixty cameras, and they're um, I'll say they're they're called the Ricoh Theta. I think they are Ricoh Theta S, and you know it's a it's the size of a a small mobile phone um, by modern standards, and it's got two cameras that are on either side. Both get a 180 um, degree photo, on, you know, and it's so simple to use. You know, you talked about the um, the GoPro being six cameras st- stitched together. Um, this pretty much is one camera. Um, mind you, the quality is obviously not as good as having six cameras, but in terms of ease to use, um, it's pretty much put it down use an app, take a photo, and then it's, you know, and it's done. And you can scroll on your screen. And I'm guessing if you put the virtual reality goggles on too, it'll do the same sort of thing. You know, you'll just look around and you'll be able to get a, a scene. Um, and it seems that clients are definitely um, uh, loving uh, this, uh, you know, this experience, this, um, this uh, three, 360 view. And it's actually quite good as well. I think, you know, if you're doing like a, just think about now, if you had birthday photo of your kids, someone blowing out a, bur- a, a candle or something like that. And then as he blows out the candle or she blows out the candle, then you look around, you can actually see who's at the bir- around the birthday table. You know what I mean? I think it's a, it's a, it's an idea which I think has definitely got a lot more um, potential than something like 3D, which um, seems to have sort of disappeared, came and disappeared very quickly, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's more interactive, 360 video. And, and you know, I, I, what I caught myself on uh, lately is when I look at a picture on on my cell phone I try to 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 move it around you know to see if I can but it's just a flat 2d picture and uh, I don't think uh, the next generations will understand flat 2d non-interactive pictures yeah they they want to see more there's, I mean, my son does that when he looks at my laptop. He actually he touches the screen to try and swipe it or move around it. And it's like, no, mate, this is a you need a mouse to move around this uh, screen. This is from <laughs> from the prehistory. This is before. This is uh, this is this computer's older than you. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for us, that's that's actually something weird. Computers that are older than us. Yeah, you know? yeah um, older um, than our kids. My kids don't understand what CDs are or DVDs. Because yeah. we do, we don't have any in the, in the house. There's and there's no way uh, we can we can play them because everything's in the cloud. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and everything is changing so fast um, uh, that you you just don't know where it's going to go in a couple of years. Mm. You know, um, and and the way we uh, we adapt and we uh, take everything new in is is very different than than before. You know, in England, 150 years ago, when the first uh, steam trains came, everybody was against it because uh, the cows would give uh, uh, sour milk and all that stuff. <laughs> and now when there's like, like a new gadget, everybody's like, okay, give it to me, give it to me. And we'll just use it. And we, 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 we don't see uh, um, um, uh, any problems with it. Well, I, you say that. I, I was thinking actually when you say that about like the uh, wind turbines, people complaining that it it gives them headaches or something like that. But um, there's no there's no proof for that from what I've read anyway. It's, but, uh, it's the same thing again, with we're uh, moving off topic a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get back on topic then. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, three sixty thing. Just um, just to touch on that again, is that is that something that you you seem to be getting requests for, or is it just something you're providing? Um, you know, is, is that something that's being integrated into your sports side as well? Is that is that or is that something that you sort of? I know you said you're doing it for the for the Google, um, you know, Street View stuff, but is bringing it into your sports side? Is that something that you're interested in doing or have done? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, in in stores and and offices and and hotels where I'm doing it, it's growing and it's growing fast, so it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to get it into sports. Um, how we're gonna do that is um, well, that's. St- Still uh, uh, up for discussion. It's a, I mean, this is the thing. Like I said, a few of the guys have got the cameras, and and I have. I don't know if it's the well. It's an easy way, I guess. Is um, I'll tell you straight. So what I'll do is I'll get my my Theta. I I have bought an adapt uh, a connector that connects it just to the hot shoe of the top of the camera, mm-hmm. and I'll just put it on a eight second um, loop, and it just takes a photo every eight seconds, and then I'll pick one or two at the end of a match or at the end of a, a sport that I'm shooting as a 360 and pretty much it's a you know i call it the photographer's view you know so it's pretty much the top of my head my camera and then you know you look around 360 degrees from where i am at a venue um and it does work when you um you know if you're doing uh you know a basketball game or um i did the ufc fighting a few months a few weeks ago um and so you got the crowd and you got the fight in front of you and you sort of it's it's a bit more um yeah, there's more content close to you, but when you're doing speed skating, usually the the speed skaters are at a distance, and you know the 360. You need to have um, you need to be close. the The subjects need to be close, otherwise, you know anything that's a bit far away just sort of disappears, uh, you know, in, into the background sort of thing. So, you know, it might be good to sort of maybe set up a like a a remote uh, like a remote one or. Or put it, you know, maybe where they win, where the gold medals are presented, or the the, the trophies are presented, or something like that. But um, the subjects need to be close. That's 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 from my experience anyway. So, you know, if if you were to do it, you know, maybe you could set it up um, at the start line or the finish line, or or somewhere where the athletes are close, and then trigger it off. Um, that 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 that's my um, per- perception of it, you know. And you know, if you could get it, so you could put them in different places and then walk from one to the next you know like you said like a like they do on a street view that might be even more interesting as well yeah i think so too i think so too and and what's also interesting with these uh, little uh, rico theaters because they're not really expensive is um <clears throat> as a photographer you can really uh sell what you do because you can, you can put it on your facebook you can put it on your twitter you know you can on your own website and and you can you can also not just show the audience what you're doing but also your clients so right now i think that's one of the most uh interesting uh, uh ways of using it mm. and it's one of those things as well i think you know everyone says oh 360 but i think until people start getting them in their hands and then being able to sort of experiment with them and you know then the new things will come out you know that's that's the i think that's the exciting part of it as well you know what you know at the moment i think i'm doing the most basic thing you can you know i'm just sort of setting it in automatic and well firing it on automatic uh mode and just sort of leaving it and then seeing you know pick up the frame which is i think as basic as a 360 picture you can get whereas i think you know if you get to you know hang it from you know, from the top of a roof from somewhere or, um, or you know, clip it into a place that, you know, you could never ever get another camera. Um, you know, I, I did one shot actually. I put one of the a tennis player, I did an, uh, in, it was in 
uh, Rotterdam uh, a couple of months ago doing a tennis tournament. And while the guy, one of the players, um, was uh, just standing near his little bench, you know, eating a little, you know, energy, you know, stick and having a drink and stuff, I just took a picture. I just put the little thing there because it's so small and took a picture. So, you know, he's caught, he's on the court, he's having a drink, he's standing next to his little, um, his, his chair. And, you know, it just, it, 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 it's an angle that you can't get. You know, you can't put your big camera there and take a picture. So I think that kind of stuff's interesting. But it, I think uh, over the next, you know, coming year, with the amount of guys, like you said, these cameras are 300 or so dollars or euros, I think they are. They're not, they're not ridiculously expensive. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what actually people will come up with on these things. Yeah, especially in like Formula One, you know, place one in the cockpit, you can oh, you yeah. can you can see to the front, so where where the where he's going, but you can also turn around and see the driver's head. You know, there's a lot of things. You know, a flying, uh, a, um, like in um, in the ski jumping. Yeah, like a picture when he's flying. That should be oh, great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, but speed get... skating maybe not the best sport for uh, for three sixty photography. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you know, with the athletes, you're usually far away. The, um, you know, you're never that close really to them, are you? Nope. And and these, uh, you know, you don't have the, you know, a crazy ISO that we do have on our cameras, so you can't sort of uh, you know bump up the ISO on these little, the, you know, these little magic cameras at the moment. So, yeah, maybe speed skating. I mean, maybe for training though. You know, if you like, you said if you're outdoors and you know you put it on one of the on the you know on a on Kramer's bike you know when he's riding through the alps or something like that i mean it's and the good thing is you can do video with these as well which is um an interesting an interesting concept as well i think to do 360 video so you can everyone can watch a different part of the of the footage which is an interesting thing i think as well yeah. maybe well maybe in speed skating we can put like a 360 camera on top of the 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 pistol of the starter oh wow that might be okay. uh, that might be a good position Jeez. Okay. See, this is what I mean. This is the, that's the thing. That's the reason I do like the 360. It does sort of. You go to. I go to a venue now, and I you know, if, especially if I've been to there many times before, I sort of got my routine, and I think I oh, maybe I'm going to try this, this different, or this different. But with the 360, you are thinking completely different. Yeah. Well, the 360 is what you see is what you get. Mm. You know, a picture is like like how are you going to do your lighting? What are you going to put in your picture? What are you going to leave out? Mm -hmm. But 360 is just like it is, you know? So um, you got to think more about, like, uh, people who are uh, in the stands of a stadium, what they see. And that's the, that's the thing I was saying, like, with, um, you know, so, like I've told people that I'm taking a picture, you know, with me, the photo. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, but you're in the picture. I was like, well, you know, I, that's – it's it's that's the idea. It's my point of view. This is where I'm sitting. This is where the, you know I've got the fans yelling behind my back. I've got match action happening in front of me. Um, so that it's a it's a it's a it's it's giving the the clients customers another way to see. You know, for me, sports photography, especially if you use a long lens like a 400 millimeter or even longer, um, it's it's all about to get the emotions. Yeah. Right. You know, I I don't like. Uh, uh, motorsports or all those all those sports that much because uh, the drivers have helmets on and you can't see their emotion you know but in most sports you can't see their emotion but if you go to 360 it's all wide so uh, to get emotion into 360 
and uh, virtual reality, that's the uh, that, that's a big question. So if you go into the stands and you have like cheering people right behind you, you know that's a good um, that's a good way that's a, that's to get the emotion. Yeah, but you can't really get close to the athletes. So we have to we have to physically detach the camera from uh, from our bodies. So they have to be somewhere else, either with drones or or on on remotes or whatever. Well, I've got a few jobs coming, a football games in the next few days, which I'm definitely going to be uh, experimenting a bit more with my 360 camera. That's for sure. Yeah, maybe one on a, on a corner flag. Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely close to the fans because, as you know, you know football fans, you know, especially um, these games are all in Germany, and you know the German stadiums are always packed. They're all, you know they're full every week, um, and you're talking you know massive stadiums, and yeah, maybe getting one a bit closer to the the fans. Uh, um, that's the other thing too, though. In Germany, the the game, the grounds are not uh, the the ground itself is not actually as close to the fans as it is, say, in England. No. Nope. Um, you know where sometimes the fans can you know literally touch the players as they're running down the line there. So it's um it's yeah finding that's that little a place for that is is definitely on my um my to do list this week. <laughs> All right, well that sounds good. Yeah, um yeah, and I mean I'd be interested to see um you know your um uh, I'm fascinated actually by your uh, your street view thing because like you said I think there's there's a lot of um a lot of potential there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's away from sport, um, well, yeah, well, you never know where where life's going. Well, I'm guessing there's virtual tours of stadiums and stuff is going to be a, a fairly common thing as well uh, soon. Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple stadiums, especially the bigger ones in England and Germany. They already have virtual tours. Mm-hmm. Um, in Holland, not that much, because clubs tend to uh, say like, okay, if I can't get money. Out of a deal directly, um, I'm not interested in it. So um, uh, you know, and 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 it's it's, but for the fans, it's a it's a really great experience. You know, if you, uh, I was in the, with my kids. I was in uh, in Madrid two years ago in the stadium of of Real. Uh, but if you can walk through it virtual, and you have uh, Ronaldo uh, uh, welcoming you in a video, because you can also put videos in 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 these virtual tours. Um, you know that's that's a great experience. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a fan base that you're building as a club. Yeah, especially if you know. I mean, I don't know how often I'll get to this. Watch the you know whatever the New York uh, you know New York Giants or something like that. You know, you, you're not gonna. It's not something you're gonna do every day. So to do a virtual reality tour might be an easier solution for now until you can afford to get there. Exactly. Exactly. And Ronaldo, don't you don't you have Ronaldo on speed dial? I'm sure he's a. Uh, He's a personal friend of yours. I'm sure he can give you a virtual, a real tour whenever you get down to Real Madrid. <laughs> I don't really know him. I know there's a picture in my uh, oldest son's bedroom, but uh, that's it. I used to have Van Basten. Do you remember Marco Van Basten? Yeah, of I remember him. <laughs> the young listeners won't have any idea who I'm talking about. He was the greatest striker of all time back uh, back when I was a kid, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Had to the... quit because of I think ankle or knee problems. 27 years old he was when he retired 27 because of a yeah he had a he had a small some sort of a tendon in his ankle was too was not strong enough yeah. and I I remember it was a sad day losing one of the best strikers a Dutch striker to um to an, uh, an injury at that young for sure 
I think he would still make uh, make the the current Dutch uh, team because they're not at the that mo- good at the moment. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they won't be at the Euros for the first time in a while this week, this uh, this year. They're coming uh, in France this year, so um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh, for the Dutch viewers <laughs> not not having a team there. No, no, we'll just have to uh, cheer for someone else. Uh, the good thing is, or the good thing is, but uh, there won't be any Dutch photographers going there. Well, not that much. But, yeah. but we'll still have uh, Rio 2016. You've got the Olympics coming up. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you've, um, well, um, I think a few of the uh, Dutch that I know will be supporting the Belgians. And now you're going to ask who I'm going to support? Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, Come on. That's hard. That's hard. That's hard. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, but now I get, like, probably, like, a lot of critique on this. But maybe even the Germans. Oh, wow. Controversial. Uh, controversial, but you know, at least I will probably be uh, cheering for the winners. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think you're uh, probably right there. I know my English colleagues think it's going to be England, but um... the, the English people always think it's going to be England. <laughs> Hello to all my delusional English uh, listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry, England will not I'm win. Sorry, England, but... I'm sorry, England will not win. No. Might come back to haunt me, but I doubt it. I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty confident that England will not be lifting the trophy at the end of the Euro 2016. Yeah, I guess you can put your money on that. <laughs> All right, look, Francois, I think it's a good place. Uh, mocking the English is a good place to finish this um, interview. <laughs> I think so too. So, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Thank you um, for your, for uh, your uh, podcast. It's, uh, I think you're doing a really nice thing. Oh, thank you. There's no podcast uh, for sports photography. So, um, uh, yeah, I think this is as far as we've deviated in this conversation is as far as we've deviated from sports. But um, I mean, yeah, it's it's all connected, I think, especially with the new technology, speaking about new stuff. I think it's very interesting to know where, where this industry is going to be going in the next few years for sure. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're going to be at the forefront of that. I hope so. <laughs> good. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, enjoy your um, quiet time. All right. In, uh, the off season. Thank you, Dean. Bye, mate. Bye. Thanks, Francois, for your time. An expert with a big range of specialities. I'm sure sports photographers of all levels can take something from your experience in existing and soon-to-be technology. I guess I have to reassess some of my future planning is just as I thought I was getting a hang of this 2D stuff, a bit more VR and 360 will have to be added into my toolkit. I will have links in the show notes um, to some of your favorite images, Francois, for the, for the listeners. Um, as well as the social media stuff, or you can just search on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for Francois Veringa. That's W-I-E-R-I-N-G-A. If you have any questions, I'm sure he wouldn't mind you dropping him an email through his website, which, again, the link will be on the show notes. Thank you very much again, Francois, for your time. So, photography, philosophy, listeners out there in podcast land, the feedback from the Mark Leach and the questions and answers episode I did with Vlad has been fantastic. So I wanted to thank many of you who have retweeted and um, sent me uh, tweets on uh, on these shows. Um, I know for, um, that when I was this uh, went back to the UK for work, that a lot of my uh, colleagues who I sit next to at football games mainly also now listen to the show. So I'm happy that some of the pros out there are enjoying these shows as much as the next generation of sports photographers. 
Um, if any of you uh, old timers out there, or some of you young guns, could uh, spare me a couple of your minutes and uh, drop me a review on iTunes, I would be grateful for that, of course. Um, and yeah, you can put some feedback on there as well. Um, you can contact me again on Twitter at AllSportsNapper or my website, AllSportsNapper.com. Um, my Twitter handle, I post a lot of my weekly work, well, when I have decent stuff, of course, and um, I post a lot of my colleagues' work, which is not very hard to find great stuff. So um, if you are looking for a Twitter handle that you just sort of get a regular feed of um, great sports photography, then um, All Sports Snapper could be the place for you. Um, you can subscribe um, to iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss an episode. I'm not very regular with work and family and all that stuff and obviously I do this all for free so um, there's no money back with these uh, episodes so sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. So again, thank you very much for everybody for listening and uh, I appreciate all the feedback. And uh, last thing, observe, listen and practice because your best photo could be one frame away. Music